Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We're joined today by Darren Blomquist, Vice President of Realty Track. Darren has been with the organization since 2001 and serves as the company's spokesperson and resident go-to expert on foreclosure statistics and other real estate trends. Darren is also responsible for creating the company's U.S. foreclosure market and sales reports, which are cited by thousands of media outlets nationwide, as well as numerous government agencies and Wall Street analysts. And he speaks regularly at numerous industry events, including Inman Connect, RealMac, Five Star, and many more. Darren is a graduate of Trinity International University in Chicago and joins us today to discuss RealtyTrack's role in today's real estate marketplace. Now let's welcome Darren and join our host, Tim Harris. Okay, thank you, Tim, for the introduction. I really appreciate it. And let's jump right in. I mean, RealtyTrack, it has become, I think, one of the industry's most trusted resources for information, especially because of the, let's hopefully it's in our, hope it's in our rearview mirror, the real estate crash. So can you give us a little bit of an insight as far as like, give us, let the listeners know about Realty Track. I know a lot of them have associated it with the foreclosure listings and things like that, but you guys are much more than just foreclosure listings, correct? Yes, we, we've actually really grown up over the last few years into a real estate data company, um, a, an adult-sized real estate data company. Uh, when we're talking about foreclosure data is where we we uh, we have our roots and and that will always be a central focus of our data uh, and where we started collecting the data on our own. But what we've expanded to is having basically all real estate data for any type of transaction, uh, whether it's foreclosure related or not, and any type of loan. So we're talking in, with foreclosures at you know even during the peak of the crisis, there were 2.2 million properties in some stage of foreclosure at the very peak of it back in uh, early 2011. But the data we've expanded to and we're collecting now and we have access to is we're talking about 130 million property parcels across the country that we have data for. And on those properties, we have the tax and assessor type of information, but we also have the sales transactions historically going back uh, many years. And we also have loan data. So if you want to know uh, the the history of a loan or the active loans on a, any given property, we, we're collecting that as well now. And so it's we've really grown by, by leaps, and, leaps and bounds in terms of what types of data we're collecting. So from an agent's perspective, the data that you provide really does give them you know a killer access to what could be 
um, a list of highly motivated sellers, right? I mean, maybe sellers that are in the pre-foreclosure process or sellers that are, you know, marginal in equity, and maybe the folks want to contact them about doing a short sale. So how how do realtors do business with you guys? Because our primary audience is as individual, mostly listing agents, but individual agents. Yes, absolutely. And, and that's a focus. One of our, our biggest customer groups are realtors and have been. And early on, it was realtors who were leveraging our data to find uh, both buyer leads for people who are looking for foreclosures and listing leads of people who are distressed and, and needing to sell their home. But but with this expanded data set, we're now able to offer a much more expanded offering to uh, to agents. Um, now, certainly the distressed piece of that is still, still part of it. You can go on and, and as an agent, uh, buy a territory on Realty Track, and but it's it's really focused. The territory you as an agent are the exclusive person when someone searches in that area on Realty Track for a property that is listed and is 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 billed as the local expert who can help you with properties in that area. And That's- we have a very uh, inexpensive, uh, relatively inexpensive program for that even though it's exclusive because we are more of we understand for the website um realty track website it is more of a niche product for people who are looking for foreclosures um but and i'll talk more about the expanded data set in this in a second for agents but for for that you know if you compare it to some of these other sites that you can advertise on you can get uh you can buy a territory on realty track for much less and you may not get as many leads but but what you're getting is very highly qualified leads. First of all, people who are who have proven that they're serious by subscribing to Realty Track, um, and you know, actually forking out money to subscribe. That it's important enough to them to find this foreclosure data that they are subscribing to the service. And a lot of them tend to be repeat customers. There, there, there are a lot of investors who are using Realty Track. Uh, I talked, I've talked to brokers just recently in. Boston and Seattle and you know who use Realty Track and they're raving about these investor leads that are coming in even from overseas who are using Realty Track and they're buying multiple properties with cash type of situation and uh I think the the, the gentleman in Boston was talking about how one one uh investor who lead who came through Realty Track had bought bought three buildings so far this year uh, using through him, and it was a lead that came through Realty Track. So that's the ty- type of leads that you're getting on RealtyTrack.com. And then with the data, you have the opportunity to to target uh, motivated sellers. And in the past, those, those motivated sellers, primarily the data we had allowed you to identify motivated sellers who were in foreclosure distress. Now with what we're doing, and we're just about to unveil a product, a new product in the next couple of weeks um, that is a light years ahead of what we had before, but it's uh, if you go to mega.realtytrack.com, mega, it, we call it the mega product uh, uh, because we just can't think of a big enough name for it. There you can go, and, and what you can do now is you can mine, you can directly mine our database, you can search any state, city, county, zip code nationwide, and then filter down to exactly the type of homeowner you're looking for and download that data to create a mailing list. 
Right now it is limited to foreclosures, but in the next couple of weeks we'll be opening that up to that those 130 million properties, and you're going to be able to filter by dozens of different factors such as equity, um, such as time lived in the property, and and a host of other things, and of course foreclosure, but that's just going to be one of many to allow agents to really create inventory in this market, um, listing inventory by, by mining that data. Okay, so you just said something. Obviously, it's called mega because it's pretty mega, right? I mean, so what you're saying <laughs> is you, this, new, this new product you guys are in the process of rolling out will allow, you know, will allow agents to really drill down on their geographic areas and find the most likely to move sellers. So what types of parameters would these guys be searching for? I'll, I'll get it started because I'm going to pick the easy one, so you got to think of the harder one. <laughs> so the easy one would be obviously time in the home and probably if they've refinanced within like the last maybe two to three years. I mean, if they've been in the house for a short period of time and they just refinanced, chances are they're not moving. Or if they've been in the house for a long period of time and they've refinanced, chance they're, chances are they're not moving. So what are the types of sort of, uh, uh, you know, sorts would a, an agent do when they're trying to decide who are the most likely to move candidates in their particular area using that new mega system? Yes. I, so, yeah, I mean, you hit on a time in the house is 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 one, and it, it can vary. Uh, we're even looking at adding in uh, whether they, there's kids still in the house or not, or the, mm. whether the kids have left. That'll be, a, you know, one of those factors. Bringing in things even like uh, divorce and bankruptcy that would be a flag that that person may want to leave the property. Uh, foreclosure is another negative indicator. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, equity. Uh, equity is, is one. And it can be – I've talked to agents. You know, the beauty of this is uh, there. I don't know if there's one set list, uh, magic list. Each agent is kind of many times targeting a different type of buyer. And so I've talked to agents who are going after – positive equity. They're looking for, uh, say, um, well, not short sales, <laughs> the opposite of short sales. They're looking for people who have positive equity, and maybe they're in foreclosure, too, and you have that combination of a negative factor, but they have this positive equity, so they have an escape route. Um, so combining those factors into different mixes, and, and on the other side of the coin, I talk to a lot of agents who are still looking for that negative equity, because that is a... Um, an, an indicator that the homeowner is more highly distressed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said something interesting there that a lot of agents, I think, uh, haven't considered. Just because the person um, is in foreclosure doesn't mean that there isn't equity on the property. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, that's that's kind of an interesting point. So this new mega system will allow agents really to get in there. And so once you guys get this information, once the your subscribers uh, have this information, the agents. How are, are you guys putting a system in place to help them contact those folks, or are you leaving that up to the agent to come up with uh, their own campaigns? At this point, we're leaving it up to the agent. I mean, you're able to download the list into an Excel file, and there are many programs out there that will help you take that and convert it into a mailing uh, drip campaign. We can connect you. We don't have. We're not doing that ourselves, but if you don't know of of uh, someone who's a program for plugging that data in, we can connect you with somebody. We can recommend folks who who we know who our other customers are using to plug that data into a campaign, uh, depending on how frequently you want to contact those homeowners um, and how you want to contact them. Now, 
the phone numbers, we're pulling public records, so phone numbers are often tough to find or are not available on the public records, but there are uh, services out there that will take the data we provide, the name and the address of the homeowner, and help you find a phone number. Um, but we definitely have the mailing address, and so mailing is a, is a huge way of contacting these homeowners. Uh, some of the agents will uh, talk to an agent, and I actually went up and and uh, worked with, uh, we we filmed this agent because he'd been successful and um, actually was a, an investor, but he was working with an agent and he, he had been flipping some properties up in Compton uh, and Inglewood in, in the LA area. But he was going around, the investor and the agent would go around and actually take the list and knock on doors. Uh, and they were aiming for people with negative equity and, and that's one, one way of doing it as well um, if you want to get really high touch in, in terms of the door knocking. Well, that's, I mean, that's going to obviously be the most efficient way. But, you know, an idea that I share with our coaching students, and I'm going to share this with all of our listeners now too, is all of you guys have uh, a list of buyers you're working with, right? So you have three to five buyers in your back pocket right now that, you know, they're, some of them are super hot, some of them are mediocre, you know, and if they have a nice property came for sale, they'd probably be all over it, right? So why don't you guys create a flyer uh, that describes all the buyers you're looking for Entitled the flyer, Sellers Wanted. Uh, use like an old Western font, make it so that it's something that's a, you know, got a little bit of a humorous bent to it. And then literally uh, go and find the folks that are most likely to sell based on the types of things that Darren and I are talking about and go knock on their doors because you already know statistically they're most likely to sell. So here you are knocking on the door and say, hey, Mr. Seller, I work with a lot of buyers in your area. And I was just, you know, here's some list of the buyers, the folks I'm, looking, I'm working with. I was just wondering if you or if anyone else you know that is thinking about selling their home. Just because they are most likely to move based on historic parameters doesn't actually mean they're packing boxes. So don't be surprised even if someone's mm -hmm. lived in there 30 years, their kids left, they have no mortgage, you know, they're 80 years old. Don't be surprised if they still say we're not interested in selling. But we just know, you know statistically that they're going to be more likely to sell uh, because, you know, people's behavioral patterns, especially when it comes to real estate, is relatively predictable. So I'm excited about that, Darren. That's going to be a very that. cool tool. Yeah, I'll have to get yeah. – well, you guys should have us help you uh, with your subscribers when you guys roll this out because this is the type of uh, – you know, actually th what this truly is, Darren, is this a, it's the evolution to the old school, you know, geographic farming area idea, right? I mean, why yeah. why bother geographic farming when you can really do a lot of high-level target farming? And you guys can Absolutely. even have as we – you know, so this is a great idea. This is um, – it, it's. I think it's going to take some – uh, tweaking on the agent's part to really define what it is that they're searching for. But, you know, guys, so many of you guys are so used to buying buyer leads, and you know our stance on that. In other words, it's insane. Uh, take one listing. You'll have to beat the buyers off with a stick. You know, I'm kidding, of course. Mm -hmm. Well, in most cases, it depends <laughs> on how hot the listing is. But this is a great <laughs> way for you to get yourself in the position of being in front of potential sellers. Uh, so, Darren, I'm, I'm sort of curious. You guys have been interviewed constantly you know on tv you're like mr media um what do you guys see is i read today that there's something like what was it a million new homeowner or homeowners are now as a result of just the last 30 or 90 days are now no longer underwater so mm -hmm. can you give us just sort of a, a perspective on what's actually happening in the market or is is as it's sure. being reported is that really what's happening are we in a real estate recovery or are there, are there is there still sort of a silent minority out there of folks that are kind of hopelessly underwater uh, I would say that things are not as rosy as they may appear in, in many ways. That uh, that 
that report you're referring to is actually from uh, another company that, that that tracks data. Our numbers show, uh, and they they focus they spun it positively, which is fine. I mean, definitely we show that there's fewer the un- number of underwater borrowers are is trending downward. Uh, a year ago, at the beginning of actually the peak was at about the beginning of 2012. We were seeing uh, close to 13 million homeowners underwater. Uh, t- almost 30 percent of almost one third of of homeowners with a mortgage were un- uh, seriously underwater. It's now down, according to our data, to nine million homeowners underwater, uh, and that represents 17 percent. So it's come down pretty dramatically. But those those nine million homeowners, I think, are unfortunately we're not going to see it come down as fast because home price appreciation is is uh, slowing down, is plateauing. And there's strong evidence for that. Uh, a report actually we just put out earlier this week shows that 63% of the markets nationwide, and we're talking about 200 markets that we're tracking, so it's not just a few big markets, but out of the 200 markets we tracked in this report, 63% of them, about 125 of them, home price appreciation is slowing down. Uh, and the average decrease is 11 percentage points. So we're talking about, I know this is getting out a lot of data, but we're talking about a place like Los Angeles, for instance, or actually maybe Phoenix is a great example, where a year ago we were seeing around 25 percent annual appreciation in home prices from August 2012 to August 2013. Now in August 2014, it's down to 6 percent. So it's single digits in Phoenix appreciation, which it's still good that it's appreciating. But now what that means is those people, those 9 million homeowners who are underwater, it's going to take them a lot longer to get into positive equity. It's going to take them over the next two to five years. Uh, You're not going to see this huge 20%, 30% bump like we did in, in 2012 and 2013. Well, so the other concept that a lot of agents aren't familiar with is even though they're not necessarily underwater, they're sort of near underwater, you know. In essence, if they were to put their house for sale, uh, you know, they wouldn't have enough equity to cover all the costs. So that's another thing that you guys are going to be coming across all the time. You know, it's interesting from our perspective, uh, a lot of agents are still, to this day, don't know how to help owners that are underwater or near underwater. And if you guys are in that situation, you really have to question. It depends on your market, right? I mean, not every market are you guys – really dealing with a lot of marginally underwater owners. But for the most part, for most of you and most of the country, the underwater owner situation or the near equity owner situation, that's not just temporary. That's going to, you know, it's going to overhang your market for forever. When Julie and I sold real estate in Columbus, Ohio, unless the person had been there a good long while, five or seven years, they weren't even going to break even on the selling costs. It was normal that the seller would, you know, show equity on the net sheet, but you know, or show equity compared to what they paid for it. They'd think in their heads, mm-hmm. well, the house appreciated from here to there. But after they factored in all their normal selling fees, they were, if they were lucky, not losing any money. So that's what we call in most of the country a normal market. So the mindset that agents have that owning a home, and unfortunately a lot of consumers still have this, is similar to buying a winning lottery ticket. That's the real psychological barrier you guys are going to have to kind of get over yourselves and help your consumers, your buyers and sellers get over as well. So where do you see, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm curious your opinion on um, the effects of uh, inflation on housing. That's something I, we are interviewing the, um, the chief economist for uh, Realtor.com, their new chief economist, really great guy. He's going to be one of our mm-hmm. regular guests. 
And he had a very interesting opinion on it. Is that something that you guys study at all at Realty Track? Uh, did you say inflation? Inflation, right? Uh, so he was he inflation. was guessing okay, that there. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah, actually, to be honest, that's not something we've uh, we've really looked at. We've really done a, a study on a, a deep analysis on inflation. Uh, I think that um, that real estate. I think we're out of the mode that, uh, to your point, that uh, real estate is a guaranteed appreciating asset. Um, mm-hmm. At least over a period of ten years, maybe over a period of twenty years, it is. But we're we're dealing you're dealing with a lot of buyers now and uh, who are coming in who 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 if you say yeah your home is gonna this is gonna be an appreciating asset over the long term they can just point to the last ten years and say what about what we just went through and and this has not been uh, this is this has not been an appreciating market and so there are risks uh, and that's uh, that's not to Say that home ownership isn't still the best way of of building wealth, in my opinion, um, for many homeowners. But it's not it's not for everybody, and it's not a guaranteed way of building wealth. And it does definitely vary from market to market. Do you guys see any trends towards? And maybe this is out of your wheelhouse. I don't know. But do you see any trends towards investors starting to back out, especially institutional varieties of the investments they've been making during this sort of crash recovery cycle? Do you see any reason to believe those investors are going to start ditching their investments as the return on their investments aren't necessarily what they hoped they'd be? Yeah, actually, that is something that we have we've looked at very carefully. We we track the big institutional investors based on number of purchases. And by the way, and when you're mining our data, that's one of the things I forgot to to mention that a lot of investor other investors as well as I think agents would be uh, it would be a great kind of list to create using our data is is investor-owned homes because mm-hmm. those investor-owned homes, um, often you may be encountering a landlord who doesn't want to be a landlord anymore, uh, those sort of things. So that's one of the filters you can look at, whether it's owner-occupied or investor-owned. Uh, let me, Darren, but, let me jump in there real yeah. quick. Let me jump in there. Guys, you guys really got to think about what he just said because that's solid gold. We call them reluctant landlords. How many folks in your market are reluctant landlords? They couldn't sell during the boom or during the crash or during the recovery, whatever, and they don't want to be landlords. They'd love to get rid of the properties. Maybe they moved out of state. Um, you know, They're maybe even losing money because the tenant, they're essentially t- subsidizing the tenant's lifestyle by maybe making up the deficit between the mortgage payment and what the tenant's paying. How many of those folks would gladly put the house for sale if they knew they could cover their costs? You know, This is the type of opportunity you guys have during a corrective market cycle uh, well, frankly, it's easier to make money than it is than it was even in the boom. I mean, in the boom, everyone kind of, you know, oh, I wish missed that time. I hear that all the time when we do free coaching calls. But the reality of it is, is this is a better opportunity because you have so many different types of opportunities, and many agents aren't aware. For example, what Darren just said, mm-hmm. the reluctant landlords, gold mine. Make sure you guys are going after that. Sorry for interrupting you. Oh no, thanks for interjecting, and because I, I think that is yeah, that is a gold mine, and especially you've had these investors who have gotten in to the market over the last couple of years who may not have known what they're getting into, uh, not realized the, the, the work that it in- involves. And particularly these big, uh, begins, what we call institutional investors who are buying dozens, hundreds, thousands of properties across the country. Uh, we are, what we're seeing in the trends is that 
they're definitely slowing down their per, their purchasing of of uh, single family homes as rentals. Uh, we haven't seen strong evidence yet that they're unloading that inventory. We're seeing that there's been a lot of transfers between investor between some of the big investors. So there's, I think there's consolidation going on in that industry, and some of the smaller ones are liquidating, but then just selling their portfolio to another big investor. Uh, and so that's what that's what we've seen so far. But definitely, the the numbers uh, are going down, and it, it's becoming regional. Uh, many of these big institutional investors started out in places like uh, Phoenix and uh, Inland California. Uh, those the the percentage of sales now in those markets is way down of these institutional investors. Atlanta is still pretty hot. A lot of parts of Florida are still pretty hot for those institutional investors purchasing property. You mentioned Columbus, Ohio. That's surprisingly become a little bit of a hot spot for these institutional investors. Some of those second or what they would call second or third tier markets, because they don't have uh, the extra bonus of a, of as much appreciation. But middle America markets are going into, and we are actually seeing some increases in purchases in in places like Columbus and even Cincinnati. Um, a lot of markets in Texas, and but what. It's not a long we don't believe it's a long term trend. I think that these most of these players are in this for five to seven years at the most. They're going to capitalize on a market that uh, where there were a lot of foreclosures, so a lot of people needed to had lost their home, needed to rent home prices were low. It was a great mix uh for them but but really what they're in they're in the business of not real estate they're in the business of making money <laughs> they're hedge funds and so they'll they'll move on to the next opportunity in a few years once once it makes sense for them to to cash out and uh of 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 these properties and that isn't going to be another huge uh i'm sure they'll i'd be surprised if they dumped i mean you know they're not going to just risk the value of their investments they're going to probably strategically start releasing certain numbers of you know who knows how it's going to happen right. but i mean you're saying three to five years the question i wrote down is what do you think their exit plan is you think in the next three to five years they'll start putting them for sale yes it's well yeah and i mean if they're smart they're not going to flood the market and and i nope. don't expect that but they are going to start shot and we've already heard of this of, of some of these guys shopping around uh to to unload their inventory but if they're smart about it, they're not going to to flood the market. Um, but that's you know those are the kind of folks you can you can look for and and just let and maybe they're just going to trickle out their inventory and you can you can be that agent who it's it's kind of like being an REO agent back in the, during the height of the bust is if you're hooked up with one of these institutions and you, you've proven yourself to be a reliable uh, agent who can list and get properties sold for them. Um, they will, as they start to potentially unload their inventory, they, they'll come to you again and again as they need to, to list properties. Well, unlike the REO as, you know, asset managers, the entities doing the you know, unloading as, as distressed properties will be different than the entities that are doing the unloading of the uh, you know, now no longer distressed properties uh, hedge fund investments. Yeah. Any suggestions on how they can connect with those guys? Uh, well, yes. I mean, you can. Uh, you'll be if you if you look at uh, in our the new product I, I mentioned. You'll be able to quickly go in and um, 
and filter by investor-owned properties in your market. And then when you pull the data, you'll be able to quickly see who some of the big owner investor owners are. And uh, simply reaching out to them and connecting with them, I think, is is uh, and improving that you're able to um, to perform uh, for those those companies. And they're you know some of them are pretty visible, so it's not uh, it's not too hard to to contact them. I mean, the big ones out there uh, are Blackstone, which its kind of storefront is Invitation Homes. Um, there's uh, there's Colony Capital. There is American Homes for Rent, and I know they have a website where uh, they have properties. There is, um, uh, sorry, <laughs> Waypoint Homes, which is a big one. Uh, I know that they were looking to unload a couple thousand of their properties. It was rumored, at least, that they were looking to unload a couple thousand of their properties in California uh, recently. So those are some of the big ones. And then beyond that, you can find some of the regional players who are maybe just in your market who are uh, who own a lot of properties and maybe they you can see how long they've owned them and and maybe they've owned them for uh, at least that three to five year window and they bought during the bottom of the market. Hey, this is a good time to to cash out for for those investors. Yeah, and get those relationships started now because just like the REO business, the you know first in is usually the you know, the ones that are going to get the listings. The longer you have the relationship, yep, probably the higher probability you are going to. So there you guys go. I mean, there's a huge uh, heads up to an oncoming, you know, Darren's thinking three to five years, but maybe some of the regional guys are going to be, start selling stuff sooner. You know, this is an interesting time in the housing industry where, you yeah. know, you guys could have made money during the crash, and now you can make money during the recovery, and both <laughs> ends of the market are going to be fantastic if you've got your head up. So, Darren, let's talk about this uh, shadow inventory. Is that still? Okay. Do, you, do you have any numbers about that? I had, that's something that you know Diana Olek on CNBC sure. used to talk about virtually every day, and you were <laughs> on there every other day. So, yeah. what's going on with shadow inventory? Yes, the shadow inventory is is not has not turned out to be as, as scary. Uh, the shadow was worth worse, <laughs> I think, than the actual monster behind it, um, thanks to you know tricks with the lighting, but there. I think I mean there's reasons for it. It was a it was a threat, um, but there's there was so much attention paid toward the foreclosure problem, uh, and became a very much of a political issue, and and so the shadow inventory has been dispersed in many different ways instead of all hitting foreclosure and showing up on the market that way. It's it's been dispersed. You see, you do see the loan modification programs. And the short sale programs helping to disperse it. You, one of the big things that I don't know if a lot of people are really aware of, that's and it's continuing to gain steam, is the sale of non-performing loans. So these banks have have a, a loan that's not performing. The, the owner's not making their payments, and they just package those together and sell them at a discount to an, typically a non-bank entity. Someone who's not going to get as much attention as a Bank of America, for instance, who's you know become the bad guy in all of this. The you know some company you've never heard of buys those loans at a discount. They can then go in and ideally uh, get those loans performing again because they bought them at a discount. They can offer the homeowner a much lower payment. Um, 
but that's one thing that we've seen expanding. And it's hard to it, it's harder to track that. The only public numbers on that are from the FHA, but their number of non-performing loan sales has been skyrocketing uh, over the past few years. Uh, we we pulled it off their website. It's been about from 2010 to 2012 about 12 billion dollars in non-performing loan sales, and so that's happening, dispersing the shadow inventory. Uh, and then you have the judicial states with a very long foreclosure process that we do believe actually still have, that's where the shadow inventory is going to have the most impact. Um, places like New Jersey, places like Florida, New York, where the time to foreclose takes 900 days. And so um, that has slowed down a lot of this from hitting the market. But there's there's definitely signs that it's starting to come through. Uh, New Jersey, New York, we've been seeing increases in foreclosure activity um, over the past year, uh, and I talked to a foreclosure attorney there in New Jersey who, and this is, you know, we don't have hard data to back this up, but he's saying things like he thinks that there's um, 80,000, a shadow inventory of 80,000 properties there alone. Um, Massachusetts has recently seen a pretty big uptick. Uh, Maryland is another state where, so there are select states where the shadow inventory is actually hitting but it's not as obvious because it's not a nationwide problem. You know, it's interesting, too. A lot of the hottest markets in the country right now still have the biggest overhang, too. Like if you look in New York City, that's a lot of, that's an area where everyone associates with just ridiculous everything, you know, cost per square foot mm-hmm. and sale price. But there's still a lot of people there that are essentially underwater in their houses. Still a lot of people that hypothetically, you know, if they don't, if the equity, equity doesn't reappear, are going to have to sell as distressed owners. So, uh, yep. yeah, I mean, guys, have your heads up. Pay attention. The real estate market isn't just, you know, the immediacy of your neighborhood or the immediacy of your centers of influence and past clients. There's opportunities to help people literally everywhere you turn. So, Darren, I really appreciate your time today. I've got one last question for you, and this is something I bet you you're going to have a great answer for. Well, maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> I hope so, with all that pressure. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's kidding. So, 12-month forecast, if you had to give one. And remember, our listeners are, you know, 90% of uh, our listeners are going to be individual practitioners. So, if you're looking forward with your best, uh, you know, looking glass, what, what do you predict is going to happen in 2015? Oh, yeah, that's uh, that. That's a tough one. I, the, I think that, that all the signs are pointing to um, – a, a definite slowing of of the market. Um, 2014 has been a reality check. Uh, 2012, looking at back at this over the past few years, 2012, 2013 were rebound years. 2014 is a reality check. Things are not as rosy as they seem. 2015, I think, is going to be a continuation of, of 2014, a reality, a continued reality check. Um, and, you know, there's the potential there for, I think the best case scenario is reality check. The worst case scenario, and I think this is less likely, is a, another double dip in, in some of these markets. Um, we've already seen appreciation slow to single digits. Um, and worst case scenario is those if certain things happen, like interest rates go up and uh, up too fast, and if Another factor is if these big institutional investors decide to dump their inventory, you could see in some markets more of a double-dip scenario rather than a plateauing scenario. I think the plateauing scenario is the most uh, the most likely one. Well, can I ask a follow-up to that? Sure. 
what are the markets that you guys are watching that you're worried about, if worried is the right choice of words, that you'd be most worried about as a possible double dip or at least, you know, might be on the edge? You know, that becomes uh, – we we look at affordability as a key metric there. Um, and the the market – there's – most markets have not exceeded their historic norms for affordability yet, um, but there are a few that are very close. And uh, you know, actually, coastal California is one of them. Now, that's coastal California. You know, has high demand. So, but places like San Francisco, affordability is getting back above its getting close to being above its historic norms. So that's a, a worrisome area. And you have very very high prices. So coastal California, um, some of the um, other markets would be um, potentially the uh, just some of those those hot markets that tend to swing wildly both ways um, in places like uh, Phoenix and, and Atlanta. I'm not as worried about those because the the home prices there are much lower. Um, and then you have you do have New York City. Which has become very the affordability numbers are very uh, out of whack with the rest of the country, but that's normal for New York City. What's concerning is that they're getting close to being out of whack with their own historic norms, and and so that in com- combination with the the distress we see coming, we've seen like I said, one and a half years of increasing foreclosure activity, uh, that could be a problem spot as well. Yeah, I would be surprised if it wasn't actually. Well, Darren, I mean, I can honestly ask you about a thousand more questions because I find this stuff really fascinating. <laughs> so I, I really appreciate you being <laughs> our guest today. Again, sorry for the little issues we had to stop at the, the top of the show. Um, but really, thank you very much for being uh, my co-host and our guest today. I personally learned a lot. Um, you know, I, what I heard Darren say, guys, more than anything, is first of all, when they are new, the new mega product, there is a website again for that. What's, it, what's the URL, Darren? Uh, yes, just simply mega.realtytrack.com. And right now you'll see the old product. Within the next few days, uh, you will see the new, the next few weeks, I should say, just to be realistic, uh, you should see the new product there. Mega, you know, guys, M-E-G-A dot realtytrack.com. One of the things that we always harp on all you guys to do is really be true market experts, not just saying you're a market expert. And I can't think of a, a quicker way than having access to this type of information what he's talking about. Because then you go to talk with the seller, and not only do you know, obviously, the recent solds and all that sort of thing, but you know really drilled down data on the whole neighborhood, on the whole community. And that really is going to impress most sellers. And just having that information on a listing appointment is going to, in many cases, get you the listing because you've proven your ability to really have a, a more than just a cursory understanding of um, how their house needs to be positioned for sale. So these are types of things you guys need to ser- be taking very serious. The other thing I heard, Darren, and, and Darren, if I didn't hear this correctly, please feel free to correct me, but it sounds to me like we're entering into what I would call more of a normal market where there's going to be longer days in the market, more inventory. Um, you guys, a lot of cases, have been spoiled, never had to learn how to do price changes, never known how to service your <laughs> sellers over a long-term relationship. It's always been kind of a 60-day type thing. Well, I mean, we're going from you know what has been, a, I think, a hot market for the most part, and now we're entering into a skills-based market. So the uh, listing agents who have skills or the agents who are willing to take the time to learn skills or obviously the agents are going to have almost an unfair advantage over the, over the rest of the agents. So I didn't hear Darren say anything would get me overly worried, but I did hear him say that there's going to be more of a return to what feels like a normal market for at least the, mm-hmm. most of the country. Did I summarize that correctly? 
Yeah, I think that's that's a, a good way to, to say it. I think there are a few red flags that could make it uh, worse than that, but I tend not to be – I tend to be um, th- that r- normal um, – uh, normal is the most likely uh, scenario, whatever normal is. But, but I think what you mean by normal is not the huge swings either up or down. That's right. Normal where you have like historic, you know, we call it appreciation, but if appreciation keeps up the inflation rate or a few ticks above it, people should be happy. I mean, that would be what yeah. no more normal is, right? I mean, these, these I, right. the idea that you're going to have this, you know, 10, 20% appreciation, you know, that's just not, that's abnormal. Normal is going to be, say, 3% per year, and if you're getting better than that, well, count your lucky stars. That's really the bottom line. So Darren Bloomquist from Realty Track, I really appreciate your time today. Um, listeners, hopefully you learned a lot. I certainly did. So Darren, thank you again very, very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tim. Listeners, be sure to share it as your homework is from every radio show. Please share today's radio show with as many other agents as you can. I would use this interview today as a good uh, tool for your potential sellers as well because uh, Darren and I talked about a lot of things that will directly reflect their marketability of their properties, especially sellers that might have an unrealistic expectation of what their price is going to be. Darren really touched very eloquently on a lot of things that the sellers should know so they don't really be, they're not thinking in terms of, you know, every seller is going to have to, is going to think their house is worth more than it is, but here you have, uh, you know, really a, probably one of the most recognized national authorities on home values saying that, you know, here's what's happening in the future and this is the reality check. So, guys, feel free to share this, obviously, with anyone, uh, especially other agents, but, again, uh, sharing it with your potential and your current sellers is also a great idea. Darren Bloomquist, thank you for being my co-host, and listeners, we'll talk with you on Monday. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.